Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about roleplayers. I'm Jess Vetters. Colin couldn't join us this week, but I have a special topic for you. This one was specifically requested by our listener, Greg, who wanted to know a little bit more about some of the systems that we talk about on this show, some of the books, some of the things, some of the materials that we deal with. So this week... I am going to talk about a little game that is near and dear to my heart, something that I find very, very intriguing, and I've talked about a couple of times. That's right, today I'm going to talk about Dread. Dread is an indie RPG published by The Impossible Dream, Uh, and as I've said before, it is a horror-based game built around building tension for your players without so many rules getting in the way. It is used as or it uses a Jenga tower for the action resolution instead of dice. Uh, so it's less about pure randomness and has kind of a skill level involved. Uh, for example, a couple of times that I've played Dread, we actually ended up not knocking over the tower for the first few hours of play, which, as I have mentioned before, when the tower falls, that means a character is removed from the game one way or another. Now, there are some people who will say the best way to enjoy Dread is while also enjoying some adult beverages, which I can understand because it makes the stakes much higher when you make your pulls. I've done it both ways, and I can very easily say it is a ton of fun no matter what. Uh, So, a little bit about the actual game, Dread. You can actually get it on DriveThruRPG as a PDF. I'm looking at the page right now. It is only $12. It is an incredibly affordable game. Honestly, the biggest like, entry point is going to be making sure that you have access to a Jenga tower that you can play. The book is not one of these giant hardback tomes like the D&D Player's Handbook or, you know, World of Darkness core book or, like, a Pathfinder book, anything like that. It's, like, a small, if you get the physical version, basically like a paperback novel sort of style. It is filled with all sorts of different play scenarios that you can get into. Um, And essentially, the ones that are in the rulebook are called Beneath a Full Moon, which is described as like a survival horror game focused around, I mean, kind of whatever your uh, storyteller, or I cannot for the life of me remember what they call the Game Master, but uh, it's focused around like werewolves, that sort of thing. Then there is Beneath a Metal Sky, which is one that I have actually played in, that has a lot of, um, like, ghost ship implications, there are aliens and whatnot. It's basically like playing the James Cameron movie Alien. And then there is Beneath the Mask, and it's, uh, that one is basically like a slasher film, where one of the player characters is the killer. And you kind of figure that out as you go along. Character creation is built around, at least in these games, tropes. So, like, you will have your questionnaire that leads you to be 
the jock, the cheerleader, the nerd, the slacker, the rich kid, and the best friend. Uh, questionnaires are how you build your characters, and it's basically 13 questions. I think some of them might actually be 12 questions, but 13, I believe, is the suggested number if you want to make your own, that ask you things like, why do you intend to convince the others to split up whenever the opportunity arises, despite the recent events? So all of these questions are very loaded. They all have a lot to do with giving you a tidbit about the character that you are playing, but letting you actually decide what everything means. To me, it is such an intriguing system that has so much to offer, and it's actually incredibly easy to take what they give you and build your own campaign out of it. Uh, for example, the one that I made, I referred to as a fucked up cruise. And essentially what I did to my players was I gave them all of these different archetypes. I think I had seven or eight players on that one, and I made... 10 different questionnaires that they could choose from, because why do the minimum when you can go above and beyond? We also played that one, I think it was either on or around Halloween night, just to add a little bit more spooktacular fun to it. And it was essentially the story of all of these people out on a, you know, like a pleasure cruise, like a big cruise line sort of thing, and... Then somebody started straight up, like, chopping people in half. And they found out, eventually, that it was this weird scissor ghost that was drawn to and traveled via blood. So, any character that was covered in blood or started bleeding became immediately imperiled, and their only way off the ship was... I believe there was a small submersible that could fit five people that they had to get to, uh, and there were also lifeboats that they could have used, but they ended up sacrificing the lifeboats for some reason. This was about a year and a half ago that I ran this, so I don't remember all of the details, but I do actually still have all of the questionnaires somewhere on my computer. Uh, I might publish those at some point if anybody wants to run a game of dread on their own but doesn't want to use one of the scenarios in the book or doesn't want to make their own just so like hey if you want to play a thing that i made here's the characters with which to do it i want to talk a little bit about some of the other really interesting things about dread um mostly around it being an indie game it doesn't really have a big publishing house behind it. It doesn't necessarily get the same sort of traction as games like, obviously, Dungeons & Dragons. But it has so much to offer in just the way that it plays off of and subverts what we expect from a role-playing game. One of those things is your character is fairly likely to die the longer the campaign goes on. And yes, there are a lot of games out there where character death is built into the system, but on this one in particular, it's built into the narrative very specifically. Like, every character should be built 
to be able to be expendable. And because of the nature of the game, because of the way that it's all built around the tower and the game of Jenga, it's not like when you go out, you're just sitting around watching your friends roll dice. Like, you are still involved because any movement, if you've ever played Jenga on, like, anything less than the most stable table you can possibly get, <laughs> stable table, any movement can completely change the game. It just creates these wonderful stakes where everybody has to be so aware of not only what's going on in the game or what's going on with their bodies, but also of what all of the other people in the room are doing at any given time. I don't think I've ever played, honestly, any game that made me so acutely, like, acutely aware of just what everyone was going through. And sometimes on this show, Colin and I will talk about the ways that gaming brings people together, the ways that it connects us. That awareness of what the person across the table from you is not only doing or saying, but what they might be thinking is fascinating. And I think it's incredibly helpful to keep in mind as often as we can. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out Nope, I'm going to cut that bit. I don't actually have a whole lot more to say about Dread as a game because it can be so different for every player, for every group that's doing it. And it should be. Like, you can run the same scenario with the same people and things will turn out completely differently every time because the way that you answer those questions on your questionnaire can wildly change who the character is and what their motivations are. Which means that there is a certain challenge that comes with running a game of Dread. More so than with something like uh, Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder or anything really that's based around systemic combat. You have to be prepared for players to try and solve problems in very unique and interesting ways, and you have to give them unique and interesting problems to solve. Which means a game of dread takes either a lot of planning or the absolute minimum planning, depending on how good of an improviser you are. For me, I think I wrote about... Hmm, aside from the questionnaires, I probably wrote about four pages of material that I was referencing constantly up to the game, and once we started, I threw out about three quarters of it. Like, I, I was pretty much just running things off the seat of my pants as soon as the players got in, because I realized that what they gave me in the questionnaires, like, what they were bringing to the table, just completely overwrote 
everything that I thought was going to be the big, good, meaty bits of my story. And normally that's not something that I'm thrilled about. I am a, I am a storyteller. Like, I, I'm a writer. So when I am tasked with creating a story, I want to have some control and some ownership over that. Dread is not a game that really encourages that sort of thinking. It is a very collaborative experience, and at the end of the day, you, as the person who are running it, don't really have a lot of say in how things shake out every time. Now, that can either be a hugely encouraging factor if you really like this emergent gameplay and this narrative that takes its own winding path to end up somewhere hopefully incredibly interesting, or it can be kind of daunting if you are a little bit like me and you think, well, I like to have some control over my story. But bear in mind that when I say I am the person who likes to have control and Dread is one of my favorite role-playing games that I have ever had the pleasure of playing and running, it is... It's incredibly difficult to find fault with the way that Dread works. Now, I will say, part of this is because I have an amazing group of players here in New York who gave this game their all, and I'm looking forward to playing with them again at the earliest convenience, even if I have to completely write a new campaign and run it again. And this is the thing, like... Most role-playing games that I enjoy lend themselves to long, continuing stories. Dread does not. Dread assumes that you will play for one session and the story will end. Either with all of your characters being dead, or with them escaping the peril, or defeating whatever goes bump in the night. There's just not much possibility of continuation. So if you want to do something that is a long-running campaign, Dread is not the game for you. But if you have, say, a Halloween party where you've got five or six people coming over who just want to sit around and have a good time, Dread is perfect. It's also a really good game to shake things up if you have a long-running or long-standing gaming group that is maybe looking for something to shake up, like, you know, we've been playing this one campaign in Faerun or whatever for three years, and as much as I love my character, I would really like to just try something different for a little while. Hop into Dread. Give it a try. It makes everything, like, a little bit tense and a little bit crazy. I don't know. If I haven't sold you on it at this point, I'm probably not going to. Uh, and I will say, you can find a good bit of information on Dread online for free. It's fairly easy to figure out. Like, literally, there is one system. You have the questionnaires, and you have the Jenga Tower, and they work together in such a way to make a really fascinating little storytelling device. I guess if you count the questionnaires as a system, that's two, but really I only count the Jenga Tower. So, yeah. 
I don't really have a whole lot more to say on this one. Uh, Colin and I will be back hopefully next week, if everything goes well, to continue on with D&D High School. And yeah, look for another one of these little mini episode review things the next time we have to uh, figure out what to do on an off week. And I hope you enjoyed listening. Oh, of course. Ha ha. All of my little end episode bits. See, I've been letting Colin take over this bit for the last few weeks, and it left me completely in the dark on how I'm supposed to outro these episodes. So, if you like what you hear, or if you have a suggestion for us to improve, or even better, if you have a question that you want us to talk about, you can send us in an email at dodecapodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is dodecapodcast, that's D-O-D-E-C-A podcast at gmail.com. You can also send us a message on Facebook or leave a comment on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash dodecapodcast. Please like and subscribe and rate us and give us all of those delightful little things that podcasters ask for all of the time. We're not looking for your money or your time outside of this maybe half hour, two hour a week that we like to just speak dulcetly into your ear. But if you could, tell a friend about us. Post online about us. It would really help us grow, and the more we grow and the more questions that we get from viewers like you, or listeners, should say listeners, the more we have to talk about, and then the more our delightful dulcet tones will infiltrate your brain. Uh, I'm looking forward myself to having a couple of guest episodes pretty soon. Uh, probably look for those right after Colin and I get into D&D High School. And now, I can sign off. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.